Welcome to Cowhorse, Full Contact by Ben Self, with host Chris Dawson and Russell Dilday. This episode is brought to us by our friends at Martin Saddlery. Quality is number one. They build those saddles from a block of wood all the way to the finished product. Build their own tree, do their own carving. Doesn't get any better. Go see them on Facebook at martinsaddlery.com. And also, this episode proudly brought to you by Blue Bonnet Feeds, Ardmore, Oklahoma. All your equine nutrition needs. Be sure you've listened to Todd Crawford interview part one prior to this episode, episode 21, Todd Crawford interview part two. Experience has taught me that maybe I, depending upon my horse, I I have more confidence that Maybe I don't have to go in the arena and run and stop and if my horse is comfortable in there. And maybe I don't have to even run and maybe I don't even have to stop. I mean, I'm probably going to stop a time or two before before I show. They're sure going to know what woe is. But, but I think a lot of times, I, I, know, I know a lot of times I've probably wore some out, you know, in there running and stopping. And, and now most of the time I... Knowing my horse, I have the confidence that, you know, again, it's either going to work or it's not. And, and you know, but I'm pretty sure it's, I, I'm pretty sure I got it, you know, and I'm going to run. I'm going to keep his horse thinking, you know, that he's, that he's running correctly. And if he's running correctly, then he's going to stop. Good. Well, the true horseman in you comes out, and when I ask that question, you go to the night before, basically, preparation, or even the day of, but as far as what you do, okay, we're talking maybe the last 15, 20 minutes before we go in there. We're in Fort Worth. We're stuck in the little dungeon right there, this is what I call it, right there next to the back gate. Like, what, what are, what's something that you're going to do with yourself to get yourself in the mental frame of mind to go and horror show. And I think this is the stuff that the outside world has n- maybe no idea that even takes place. You know, I, I, I don't know what they think, but what are we, what are you doing with yourself right there? Like it's finals, finals, the world's greatest horseman. And you just marked him. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you've marked him 15 or something in the herd and it's okay. But you've got to go in here and it's rain work time. And how are you going to get yourself in that right place before you got to go run through that gate and go hit that first stop? Because you know you've got to be good right here in this rain work. Um, I can do most of my stuff at the trot that I feel like I need to do. Um, I, and so that's what I spend a lot of time doing. I try not to over... Um, override my horse prior to the in that 20 minutes that's left you know and so again I'm just trying to conserve my horse and at the same time touch on touch on the, the being able to control what I need to control with my hands and my legs and my steering and all that um, and with my my stop and back up and things but not but keeping it in a relaxed manner I, i'm i'm one that i i don't 
really, I don't ride well with other people, you know, so normally I'm off back out somewhere, you know, out of the way where, again, I can, I can focus and I can get myself in, in that spot to where I can go show. Are you focusing more to your pattern right there? Or are you focusing more to your relationship with your horse? Both, both. I, re- I you know, I mean, I really got to run through that pattern in my head. Last time I showed Darren Ardmore, I ran off pattern twice on the same horse. <laughs> I, <laughs> because I wasn't, I because I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't I saw you. <laughs> you know, I wasn't. And, and so. I'm like, finally. All I do is see on pattern. I can beat Todd Crawford. <laughs> One time I beat him. So, so yeah, I really try and focus on that pattern. And, and, but uh, at the same time on the horse. And, and, and what I have to do when, and I know I've done it, you know, <laughs> I've done it enough that, that I can run through those things in my head. And, you know, I, I would like to say that, yeah, I, I go through that stuff you know, all night long the night before, which I used to do. Um, but, but now usually I'm too tired and I just go right straight to sleep. And <laughs> hey, Todd, so the, the longer I've done this, just like that at Ardmore right there, said you just missed a focus one time. It almost feels like, especially when you've got a horse show where there's a couple of different patterns, you almost, I feel like I almost have to run that pattern through my head one time before I go in there. I do, do I do a lot. You do that? Uh, yeah, you bet. You bet. And, and I think Chris can vouch to the fact that a lot of people, and I'll do it too, I'll draw that pattern out with my finger, you know. Uh, you know when I, And if I'd have done that there in Ardmore, I, I'd have been fine. But, but it, you know, just, it was early and, and I just wasn't focused. But, yeah. you know, yeah. when you go to those bigger shows – you're going to be focused. Well, I guess what I'm trying to kind of lead you into there is that, and I don't know if it's a conscious thing that you do, but when I see you getting ready, because I've been around you now for 20 years and watching you show horses. You're not going to give him the answer. So we're going to stay hooked. I'm staying here. And so if I see you riding around and I see you working your fingers, right? And you're like doing like weird stuff with your hand and this and that, like, I might, you might as well just pack for second is what I'm saying, right? Because here it comes. And so for years, I wondered what that was about. And so <clears throat> as I've worked on myself and some of the mental things that I work on before I show, and it really, it turned, ended up, uh, I found it in a yoga book talking about finding and being aware of your extremities. And so I, I run through like a little dexterity exercise with my fingers. Okay. And Clay brought it up to me, Volmer. He's like, Dude, when you get to tapping on your fingers before you show, you might as well just hang it up because it's it's over. What were you doing in a yoga book, dude? I I mean anything. I'm trying to figure. I was. I mean, I've been. I've spent the last thirty years trying to figure out how to beat people, and a- anything, <laughs> anything. It, it don't matter. Anything. Any port in the store. I'll do yoga. I'll, <laughs> I'll wear the yoga pants. I don't care. I've said it before. I'll I'll ride hunt seat horses and wear the jumpers. I don't care if it'll help me win. I'm entered. The but yoga pants aren't going to help you. It might. <laughs> well, not. <laughs> you don't know. I know. <laughs> but so 
anyhow, that's something that I found and that I know, and I don't know if it's just a nervous tick and you're wiggling your fingers around or if you're consciously working on something there when you do that stuff. Do you know you did it? I don't know that I'm working on anything. I'm just very um, focused, you know. I mean, I think that's part of, like, helping you, like, hey, we're fixing to go in here and we're going to we're going to pull it and and we're going to let it fly because we got no other choice and this is what it is and you know hey uh we're going to do it so your um raining patterns you've got a pretty good handle on because for so long what is it how does that different before i'm not saying i'm not saying your rain pattern your rain runs your preparation What's the difference between your raining runs and your fence work preparation? So I personally don't think that. So in the raining, you know, you have a you have the, the stops, the lead changes, the large, fast, small, slow, you the spins, blah blah blah. Um, and, and so you, I believe your job is to, you know, through the communication with your horse, get that horse to put his feet in the right spots when you tell him to do the things that are required in that pattern. In the fence work, I think it's got to be your horse and your cow, you know, and those feet have to fall in a spot that controls that cow. And so now a lot of your input probably, you shouldn't have a tremendous amount of input in that except to try and get that horse's feet to fall in the spot that controls that cow. And after, after you've done that, then you've got to get out of the way and say, okay, here, it's yours. And now, hey, get over here, and now here, it's yours. And then let's go down the fence, and here, it's yours. And let me put you in a spot to... So in your preparation before that, again... Yeah, there's there's things that I do with some horses that I know that I need help with, but probably when I feel pretty confident that, you know, hey, my horse is a cow horse and he's ready to go, it's just, hey, let me go get you loped and, you know, maybe we'll turn on the fence a couple times and let's go show. I mean, there's no real... There's no there's pa- no physical there's no, preparation for your horse as much. I mean, and not, not near as much. Yeah, no, right, right. no, no. More of a reaction thing. And so, what about so, mentally? Mentally, you know, as far as uh, like watching some other runs or watching the cattle or or not. Oh, or sure, I I really like to kind of have an idea of what the cattle might do and and what what might happen, um, it, but. You know, I mean, you got to go, you got to react to the situation and boom. So know. when you're watching those runs, Todd, because we show in so many different arenas, whether it's round ends or square ends, there's long ends, there's flat, uh, flat arenas, there's arenas that the flat spot in the arena is very short. When you go and watch those runs before you, wh- what things are you looking at as far as, the way the cow behaves and the way the arena behaves. What are the what are the focus points that you look at? Um, mostly, I would like to um, have an idea of 
how the cattle are running and and how much drive do I need and how much kind of how maybe how long I might stay on the back fence and 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 then really like how how are those cattle reading you know as you step by them to make the turn you know I mean are they in general are they do you have to go tackle them or you know can you get them to turn at the neck you know um that that's kind of what and sometimes the colors Mm, kind of play a part in okay you know the black cows are you got to tackle and the white cows or you know or vice versa run to the middle on, try to run to the middle on you and the, the red ones run hard or blah blah you know yeah hit the you know they hit another gear and and you know if you go circle after two turns you better be riding or whatever you know or those, don't stay too many turns because then you can't get your last circle those kind of tendencies that that you might pick up on what might happen and and somewhat be prepared for that but if it don't happen that way you know then you gotta you gotta go with what you got yeah and they've made a new rule here the last few years to where you could stay on your new cow if they blow you off and i would have to say that but statistically speaking you've probably taken your cow more I would say probably more often than anybody else that's gotten blown off at a major event, you have tended to stay on that cow. Enough so that I would notice that it seems like you take your the cow you drew more often. Yeah, so, sometimes I, I don't necessarily feel that way. But if, you know, if I feel like I got him, I'm going. Um, because I, you guys know as, as well, um, you know, the next one, <laughs> how many times have we had that second and third cow that, God darn, they just get worse as they go? Wish we had the first one. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> can I have that first one back? Please. Um, so, you know, you know, I mean, I, I want to have a feel for where I'm at and what I'm doing and, and what my horse is feeling like. And, and if if things are... If things are are in the okay zone, I'm I'm going to try and stay and go on with it, and and again take my best shot, um, you know, and and maybe things are leaning towards that way in the industry. I don't, I'm not sure, but but you know. It, well, and the guy needs to think, Todd, too, about just 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 get in that new cow deal thing a little bit, just. From the show and standpoint, you know what how much horse you got. And you and you a guy needs to prepare his mind a little bit going in there. If it looks like it's kind of a new cow set of cattle where there's a lot of new cows be given, being given, you need to assess what kind of score you need to be, number one, to get wherever you're going higher in the finals or to get into the finals and you need to assess how much air does your horse have do you need to if you have a horse that doesn't have a ton of air you need to be leaning towards hey if i've got a pretty good shot at this cow and we've been boxing down there for a while i need to prepare myself to hear that whistle and make a decision that i stay if i've got a good shot at him rather than just taking the new cow because there's a whistle and then winding up say your second cow is junk 
but you got to run down round down there a little bit. Now you're third cow. You're never going to get circled because you've run out of horse. You need to know that's something that maybe someone a little bit younger. Those are some assessments a person needs to make before he goes in there because I'm telling you, just making that decision when that whistle goes off, that's a bitch. You better have a you have better have thought about it a little bit. You need to have thought about that now. You got a fire-breathing dragon that can run all day. You can you can take another one or two or three cows, whatever. But a guy needs to assess that a little bit on the way in, just like you we would run through our raining pattern a little bit. Say, hey, look, this horse, good little horse, good stop, make the turns. But after a while, runs out of air. And the last thing you want to be is trying to get your second set of circles, and you can't get to the tailhead. I mean, your run just, and then it bends you back there to the out pin and wallers you on the fence, oh. and you take a 72 right down to a 65. Yeah, yeah. and probably unless you've been in that situation, yeah. you're not going to know to get how, how to not get in that situation. And I've been in that situation right several times. And for people that maybe haven't done a ton of it, them judges... I've heard say, hey, you know, if you don't take the new cow, you're going to piss the judges off. No, that's not the deal. The judges are telling you, hey, we think that this cow is a little tough to work. And if you want to take the option, you can take it. But when I'm judging, if I new cow them and they go on with it, I'm not holding it against them. If they go on and make a run, I'm I will dang sure cheer for them. I'm not saying, oh, you try to make me look like an idiot for yeah. giving you a cow. I'm going to take two points away from you. Right. That is not true. No. I don't know a judge like that. No, I, I'm, I'm cheering because, you yes. know, I'm all for um, the exhibitor. Yep. Now, if you need to make a 210 to make the final and you're a little behind when they do that whistle, maybe, hey, come on, take it, take it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but have that, and you need to have that in your head a little bit, especially if you're late in the draw and the fence work. You need to kind of have a good idea of what you need to be. Mm-hmm. And if it's 225-ville and you don't have a ton of horse and you're in great position when they blow that whistle, be, pre- be mentally prepared yeah. To take that yeah, shot. Yeah, you don't want that whistle to throw you for a loop. It will, too. Yep. Yeah. You're like, you, oh, what do I got to do? I, and you ain't got uh, much no, time. You don't have time. You don't have a ton of time. you got to make your decision. Yeah. I know. I, I got a new cow last year at Snap Bit Finals on that uh, Dunn Hottish stud. And, I, I mean, I had a ton of horse. Right. I mean, he wasn't going to run out of air. So, like, no question. Right. This run wasn't setting up the way I wanted mm-hmm, anyway. Mm-hmm. And, like, they blew the whistle. I'm like, yep, I'm fine with it. But like the other horse that I'd made the finals on, had they blowed me a new cow, I probably would have stayed on and just no matter really the situation. I mean, unless it was just something to where I was Awful, nowhere. Right, right. In, you know, but if I had a prayer on it, I would have not taken a new cow on my other horse because there's just something about the adrenaline that them horses use up on yes. that first move. And, and people don't understand that because they don't maybe have to even work that hard. But they can get spent so fast out there. And I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like on those big nights when there's a big crowd, I mean, it's just like the horses get pumped up and they run in there and they got their blood rolling. 
and then they plateau off and it like it, they they you run out of horse fast i mean faster than you really would at home even mhm sure you, you find that at all sure sure yeah when it, when when that when those lights are on and that crowd's screaming and you know you're trying to win and uh man it just takes it out of them quick that ground's maybe a little deep you know um like in the will rogers it's and you're going all over the arena (laughs) (laughs) is there a spot here i didn't put a footprint I'll go back. I'll go back for another puppet. Make sure they have to drag the whole arena yeah. on this track. <laughs> okay, let's skip to our snaff bit fraternity champion, Smart Cracking Chick. Because what? Did you win, how many times did you win second at the fraternity before you won it? Probably three. I'm thinking three. Oh, three. And three. And then finally in 06, we get it. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about that, Marin. How big a part of your program was she? Well, um, so first of all, I would like to say that John Rozier and I tied. And John was riding a Marauder Money Talk stud, I think. Buckskin horse. Mm. Anyways, and, and I had won the, the cow work. So, you know, I think I was pretty high in the herd work. And then my rain work was weaker. And then I came back and, and was good down the fence. Um which, you know, I, I guess I would say that I believe that's, again, how evolution of cow horse since I've been in it, you know, um, used to be like if you had one good event, like Russell said, the raining, you know, if you could be really strong in the raining and not have any penalties or get by in the two cow works, you could make the finals. And, and then, like in, in 2006, when I won it on Smart Cracking Chick, and she was a 13, 13 and a half in the raining, you know, I, she was good in the two cow events and weaker in the raining. But, but again, it kind of moved up to where you, you needed to be good in two events and, and get by in one. But um, good. She was what, 25 in the herd? Oh, 22, 25. I mean, she was good, yeah. Real good. good. So, good. I mean, with your 13, you were up there. It, it, yeah, uh, I, I, mean, was in, were, I was in the hunt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but, you know, you think about today now, um, you better be a 19 in all three events. Well, right. But, mm. I mean, and so if you're, I mean, because as I recall, I, I don't, and you were there and I wasn't, but. I'm thinking 25 and a 13 is a 38, which is a pair of 19s. Mm-hmm. So you're right there where you would need to be today, owner. Right, right to be to have a good fence score. Um, yeah, but anymore it's 25 right. in all three events. Um, yeah, I know that's why. But, but um, again, that's the evolution of the sport and the training and the horses and the and and just the event, which is freaking awesome you know i think um the horses that we have and the trainers that we have today are just so much fun to watch and and it's just really incredible how the sport has grown like that um so so you know smart cracking chick you know then she goes on and i think she makes the finals at every event that i showed her in up until the last one at the derby of her five-year-old year and and she didn't circle cow very well, and I didn't know what was wrong with her. And came home, and she had 
tore some tendon in their leg or something and and um you know so that kind of sidelined her and she went on to be a probably i i would consider her a great broodmare you know with the Mm. with what she's produced in the cutting and and then sure you made the finals on one of her babies last year finals on one yes last year i've got a full brother to that one that i'm hoping to make the finals on this year yep You have to do at least that well. Right. Or I failed. failed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Todd proved they can do that. Hey, failure is okay. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) It's winning and losing. They're winning and learning, not winning and losing, Russell. (laughs) You shut up and sit over there in your chair. (laughs) Loser. (laughs) So what, uh, what kind of, was there a major weight that came off of you after hitting all those reserve champs and then finally pulling out the win oh i guess so you know i mean uh it was like a vindication that like i finally did it you know because hickory holly c i had a real good shot and and that didn't work and and i'd been second three times and and so yeah i mean it, it was it was obviously good to to get it down you know and uh, you know just like to have two or three more i'm sure i got time <laughs> you remember the horses you were second on <laughs> Shine Like Hail and Tangy Classy Lady and Raylene Bell and uh, then the Buckskin Stud of... Oh, Shiner Nickel. So yeah. four times. Yeah, yeah, but he was after um, <laughs> Boyd and I tied on Shiner's Nickel and when he, I don't know what year he was, but... Okay, so that after was after... 2006. Oh, I yeah. got you, got you. Mm. Very wow. cool. You know how many people love be second? Oh, my goodness. Mm. I was second once. I was second once, and it was awesome. awesome. I mean, and they're like, that's the first loser. I'm like, hey, whatever. whatever. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it every year. It's fine. It's a, it's a whole I beat lot 24 better than making the finals. I guarantee yeah. that. Well, it's a lot better than third. <laughs> yeah. I would like to say that there is nothing better in the world than making the finals of the snap. Right. Tree. After that, it's gravy. There's probably five horses that can all be, I mean, them top five holes could switch. Oh, you never know. It's so I feel like it's the purest clean slate finals in the fraternity world of yeah. other events because it is truly any horse's game. If you can get in them finals, you've got a shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a legitimate shot to win. Now I've been on some that I knew I didn't have a shot on, but did they make the finals? <laughs> but they made the finals. Yeah, so those so are, those ones are just so like, give me anything. <laughs> yeah, give me anything. You know, right. when you get one of those in the finals, right. and the, you know I, it isn't the winner. God. I tell people, I kind of put them into two categories. I have hoping to make the finals horses and expecting to make the finals horses. Yeah. I says, and it's really, really hard to win when you go expecting to win and it's darn near impossible to win if you go hoping to win hoping yeah. to make the finals. hoping to make finals man yeah. that's a tough one <laughs> yeah russell how's everything up there in winniewood with the old uh covid19 coronavirus hey it's been a it's been a little bit of a struggle i traveled out to california it's a little more of a struggle out <laughs> right. there why would you go there voluntarily well it's going to buy horses and just see how the people are doing you. you know I what i'm you. saying but you know you. what they were doing they're riding. They're yeah. all riding. A lot, of, a lot of three-year-olds getting worked right now. Riding and riding them, yes. Yeah, I was up my feet a little bit in the summertime. Uh, this year, I uh, we started that process a little sooner. <laughs> Mine are all getting a little extra boost to that blue bonnet feeds right now. I feed that Intensify. 
and it just uh, i try and start it before it gets terribly intense around the house mm. before they start losing the weight and then yep. uh, and get them on there and uh, just keep them looking awesome and ready keep to go horse show on. come fall you know yep got a lot i love the high fat and the intensified oh man yeah i'm a, no, I'm it's, a believer in the high fat yeah. on the feeds oh it just put it puts that extra bloom there without giving you that heat yeah you know it doesn't yep. get them silly acting and what have you they just uh you know they come out and they're ready to go to work but they got plenty of energy to do the work yeah and yeah. i've i've used their equiline a lot too their equiline line um they've got a, a lot of probiotics in there they help you out get you through everything they got low starch in them i they're they're they've got a lot of really really great products right. that's there. what that's what todd crawford uses is that equiline he's been using it quite a while Hard to win more than that guy. Right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we just talked about that. What, three million, something like that, Todd? Oh, my Lord, Todd. How do you do it? How do you do it? <laughs> oh, I know. Feed the feed. <laughs> That'll help. Hey, and if you're interested in learning more about the equine nutrition, you can go subscribe to Blue Bonnet Feed's new podcast, Chris, Feed Room Chemist. Go on there. They tell you all kinds of information about feed nutrition. You learn it all right there real easy. Just figure out where you want to go with Blue Bonnet products. And the big thing about Blue Bonnet, they got a product for your horses at every stage of life. From young to old, you know, you get them horses that need a little more at the at the end of their career. They'll help you out there. If you just try your brood mares, your working horses, all through there, they have a product that'll fit you. And Blue Bonnet, will test all of their raw ingredients, Chris, so that they know that they're putting the best feed in your feed. Because once it's in a pellet, how do you know it's not junk? No, well, that's it. That's it. That's And, and, and that's where I love them so much, you know, is just I have all the faith and all the trust in that company that they're only using the best stuff. If they're going to put their name on it, you better believe it, mister. It's going to be the real deal and as good as what you can buy. They make it all, they mill it all right up there at Ardmore, Oklahoma, just down the road from Hardy Murphy Coliseum. Yep, and I know it's good all the way across the culture. The whole company is that way because I've bought cow feed from them, the cake mix for the summer, for the winter, for my uh, breeding cows, and that feed. You can tell when the pellets come out of the bin, they're tighter, they're cleaner. Everything is is just a higher class of cake from beginning to end, and it's the same in the horse feed. That's their idea in that company is to make the best from the best. And Todd Crawford has been feeding Blue Bonnet feeds to his horses forever. Yeah, forever. I mean, we were feeding it back in the day when I was there. Once we moved to Oklahoma, we got on this Blue Bonnet feeds and there went his winning ways. Uh, He's actually the one that got me started on using it on my cows because I went over there to ride and he, you guys were feeding. I don't know if you were there. No, you probably weren't there at that time but here in oklahoma he was feeding it to his cows they looked fabulous and i asked him hey what are you feeding them things his working cattle i mean they were they were staggeringly fat it was it was really impressive to me and i went home and uh, got my whole ranch on it so they're giving away uh they're giving away 60 days of free feed over here our fellows at blue bonnet and uh so go check out their website at uh, bluebonnetfeeds.com slash full contact. That way they know that you heard about it from us. Hey, and that's only good for us, isn't it? That's it. That's it. So you want to support our website, support this podcast, like what you've been hearing, go check them out and uh, get signed up for the 60 days of free feed giveaway. That's a good way to support. Go get some free feed. Right. Terms and conditions apply. 
check them out at bluebonnetfeeds.com. Make sure you put that slash full contact on the end of it. That way uh, you can support our podcast while you're trying to win your 60 days of free feed. So uh, I know that this is not your favorite subject, (laughs) but... Did you get your AARP card? No, yet? you <laughs> shut. You shut up, you little bald-headed booger. <laughs> but being inducted into the Hall of Fame, I mean, it was that. At what point did that ever become a goal or a hope, or was that? I mean, just talk us through that because I mean, we really just don't have the opportunity to talk to that many Hall of Fame members. Um, no, that I mean. I'm honored to have been inducted there, but um, no, that was never a goal or a hope or, or that was never even a thought that that would, you know, ever even be possible. I guess probably particularly coming from Pennsylvania <laughs> and then, you know, just trying to compete with, with the other guys. You know, you're, you're up, you're down, you you win, you lose. And so you don't, um, but that's never a, a, even really a thought in terms of career, what what you want out of your career. A goal. Goal. Yeah. So, you know, there's more to it than that too, Chris. I mean, it's not just about a couple of wins. He's gone and been the president. He's gone and served on all the boards, you know, come over and done all the winning, but then... He's the 4-H leader for the Purcell group. Is that right, Todd? I was till the parents run me off. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. He, you can't call him stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 4-H don't club. judge others by yourself. <laughs> he might not have done that with them. <laughs> and then you know, like he, he'll say. Hey, Russell, let's go do a clinic in Stillwater. 60, oh. 60 4-H kids. Well, and that's, I mean, that was the next thing I was that going to... That's, that's what I was going to bring up next is how tirelessly you give of yourself to the youth program and to clinics. I mean... Uh, the ranch clinic. The, just oh, give, everything. Just going, everything. Just, it's just... I mean... It's just like you're an endless well of knowledge that you are willing to share with anybody. I mean, and if it's for a little bit of a cause, you're entered. Um, Well, I I think I actually got that part of that from Russell because when I left California, that was right about the time that you guys started doing your clinics out Mm -hmm. there. And they were a huge success. and, And I didn't really, I never even thought about you know, like youth clinics. I mean, if you, you if you told me that we could have a youth clinic and have 10 kids in it, I'd have been excited, you know. But, but all that being said, it, it's, it was, you know, to try and, and better the industry and make, make cow horse what I always thought it should be. I mean, because I know you guys... As I think of, I mean, cow horse is the greatest sport on earth. And, and you know, hey, I want to share that with people. And I want people to, I want kids to see that. And, and part of what got me started, I was president. 
at the time and and Don's Murphy said that you know the biggest thing we're lacking in our cow horse industry is a lack of youth kids. We have no kids coming into our event. He, you know, and, and of course to use the example, in the old days, you know, we had 40 mm-hmm. kids show in Reno at the Snaffle Bit Fraternity and, you know, it was a big deal. And it's like 40 kids, how could we ever get 40 kids? You know, because when we went to um, Stephenville and had the first world show down there first few i mean we had six kids in the youth bridal Mm -hmm. and so you know that was that kind of stuck in my head as as i was president and one of the things that that i found that you know was was a lot of fun really was to help those kids and and fortunately jay winborn got the um high school rodeo got it in the cow horse you know and and so all that kind of happened at the same time, and we were doing clinics uh, for everybody, um, but then maybe more specifically for for kids, uh, free clinics. And, um, you know, now all of a sudden we got like 50 kids in the Youth Limited down there in Fort Worth and 40 in the Youth Bridal. And, and who'd have ever thought that, you know, but... And, and that now is only half of our really kids because we got another hundred showing at the high school rodeo, you know. Right, right. And right. so so now not only those kids kind of know what cow horse is and are showing and, and do that, but now their parents know and now their grandparents know and, and, and they know the event where, you know, prior to whenever, um, you know, our we hadn't we had no youth program really and and i know you guys i didn't get to listen to the podcast allison's but allison walker has been a huge big yeah really big with the ranch and all of it all all of those clinics things you know she has she has helped she has actually been the the ramrod in it and she says hey todd and russell can you show up here and it's like Can you edit that? (laughs) Anyway, she says, hey, can you guys show up here? And we're like, yeah, we can show up there. No problem. We'll be there. What do you got to eat? Oh, yeah, we got it all set. And boom, you know, off we go. But, but, um, you know, that's been been really very rewarding and amazing and um, lots of fun, too. Just the exposure of this event that we enjoy so much, and Todd has been such a huge person to expose it just like we had just done a uh, interview with casey carson and he got started by just watching john lyons go and he sees him do a horse and he's like wow that's crazy um ray hunt what i say john Lyons. dang it but i'm sure that i'm sure that john exposed plenty of people also yeah tons and uh, buck branahan and bat prelly and and then uh, like todd goes and gets some exposure from dale and you know we all there's so many of us that aren't raised in the show industry and just a little bit of exposure will draw will it it will it'll get you to start seeing it like hey there's something i do like but if we don't let those kids ever see it how do they know well how do they know and two again to your credit both you guys you know 
you've been great in saying, in reaching out and saying, hey, guys, you know, we're going to do this here. Come on. Let, let's do let's it. Let's go. Let's do it. And, you know, you, you, we have to reach out to them. We can't expect them to come to us necessarily. Right. Yep. They can't, but we can't be just sitting there waiting for them to show up. And to, like Todd says, man, long time ago, there was nothing. There was nothing. There was nothing. There was no, there was no harm. There was, I don't even remember clinics, Todd. When I first started, I don't even remember it happening. No. Well, I know that when I worked for you, there was a lot of day. You spent so much time investing yourself into the industry. I mean, we'd be working horses, and then you'd be on the phone, and I mean, and be out there working horses and have to take a little break or whatever to get on the phone. I think you guys were working on the scorecard at that time, or I don't know what all you were working on, but you have given yourself besides just your training program into being involved in the industry, whether being president, I mean, I'm not even sure how many years you've been president several, five, maybe four, four. It's enough. A lot. (laughs) A lot. I mean, but like, and just so talk a little bit about what that does as far as taking you away from your training program and really a sacrifice that you make in your own personal life and professional life to in try and enhance the industry that you love. Well, it, it, I guess it's, it's one of those kind of things where um, it, it comes a point where it, if you, if you, I'm going to say if you, Chris, if you don't do it, who's going to? Right. And Russell, who's, you right. know, who's going to? Cause you know, I'm, I'm kind of about done. Um, but if, if you young guys don't do it, and, and this was the spot where I was at, was like, you know, okay, I get, I'll run for the board and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, we need somebody to be president. And I'm like, well, yeah, good luck, you know. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Surely there's somebody that, that and then all of a sudden, like, there ain't nobody, there ain't nobody there. So, you know, if you're, if you, if, if, if I'm not going to do it, who's going to do it? Nobody. Are, mm-hmm. are we going to let this thing die? No, we're not going to. Um, so, you know, then it's, it's like, okay, you know, I knew nothing about anything. I didn't know even how to work a iPad or nothing like that, you know? Um, so it was very scary and it wasn't, it wasn't that hard, but, but two, then, at that time when we when we change, we you know like you're going to be president. Okay, now we're going to set up a new office. So yeah, right. How are we going to do that? You you know. And so, but if you if you I'm going to say you Chris, if you you guys that are out there, you young guys, if you if you don't do it, if you don't if you don't help with clinics, if you don't promote the sport of cow horse, who's going to? You know, because Russell and I, we done it a lot. And Chris, I know you have done it a lot too. Um, but but we can't let up because, again, we got the best sport in, in the world. Yes. We got the best sport. So, but, you know, when Chris, when you worked for me in California, there wasn't many people outside of 
outside of California that knew what cow horse was. I mean, really and truly still, even today, with as much work as we've done, there's a lot of people that don't really know what cow horse is. So we got a lot more work to do. And, and you know, there's a lot, a lot that the young guys can help with. But again, as I say, you can't sit back and wait on them to come to you. You, you know, we got to go to them. We got to keep pushing. And, and even the younger, like you're young to us, <laughs> but there's younger. And those clinics, those, you know, those, those clinics, clinics are, are awesome. And, and again, Russell, I say um, you, you, you started them and, you know, you've done them and we've done a lot of them mm. together. Um, and, and I can't even count the, no, the number of days that we've, we've done them for free for, mm-hmm. and we've had a lot of fun doing a lot them. of fun. Um, you know, but I think that that's part of, that's part of what it takes to, to get to where we want to go. Yeah. It's a, it is such an eye opening thing for people to come to those clinics and, so like Todd's talking about the ones we did and when we were part of the Valley Cow Horse in California. And our idea was that the boxing was minimal at the time. The Valley Cow Horse had, I don't know, 10, 7, 10 entries. So Lefty Lori, which was Mark Manson's girlfriend at the time, and Mark Manson, we decided to put this clinic together. And we're going to make it, I don't know, $100. And we give two meals. Tana cooks all the meals and... And we just like, oh, we're going to call the local trainers. However many people come, we'll just call a few more trainers and we'll put them through the uh, different sections and go, hey, we get, we're thinking 15, 20, 60. 60 people show up. It might have been 65. I mean, it was, it was massive. So we get rolling and it's like, holy cow, we got to call some more trainers to come and get them to come. And we do the first day we're doing the typical thing where we're trainers like they got to have a day's worth you know they got to feel like they got their money's worth and we're working the heck out of them we're grinding them up and then we feed them that big lunch and we get them out there we work them some more (laughs) (laughs) and that night we get to thinking like hey whoa i'm thinking to myself you know these people didn't come here to be horse trainers they came here to see if they could get through the show and we decide, and I actually can't remember if it's two or three day clinic, but by the last day, we figure out that all we're trying to do is tell them, take that horse that you have right there and go to the show. That's all we want. So we just did a mock show. We hung a bunch of shaps out side the show pen and we had the trainers just go three deep. So if you've got that person in the draw, we have a draw. This guy helps that guy while they're in the pen. The next guy helps the next person warm up. The next guy helps the next person warm up. And when you're done with the one in the pin, you talk to him about what happened. And we just said, okay, look, we're just going to tell you that don't be afraid. Just you can get through the pin. You can get through it. Well, the next Valley Cow, that we just kind of did that on our own. The next Valley Cow horse, there's 70 some entries in the boxing (laughs) from seven or 10. And What it made me understand is it was just the exposure. And now they all know each other and they show up there and they're in the boxing and they're just having a blast because they're seeing the people that they met. And 
and all of us trainers are around there and they know us and there's not this big overwhelming thing and then what i see with todd is the same thing when we go to stillwater and there's 60 kids from the 4-h i mean todd there's everything in there right i mean there's ponies and mules mules and um (laughs) mark lewis went and did the flag and todd's doing the raining and i'm doing the fence and we do the roping and i mean it's just it is full on and they're little guys in there that's the one you were crippled for yeah, that I was. You said you were one. bad, crippled. That one was hurt. That one hurt. <laughs> well, those kids, I'm telling you what, those kids have the largest time, and and like the clinic that we do at, at Carol's from yep. the Southwest. You know, I mean, we got sixty kids coming yes. here, <laughs> and it's like, who would have thought that we would have had sixty kids come? And they are. I mean, they can't do. They can't do one part of it. But you know what? It's okay. Yeah, it's you all right. Come show, and they co- They show the next day, and they get through, and now they're ready to go show. They're they're ready to come to a show, and so I think again, that's that's what it takes from from us. Everybody is hey. Please, if you have a chance to chip in and volunteer and help with some of that stuff, put it on, organize it, find somebody that can do it to organize it so that you can help. You know, um, that's that's what it takes. And it helps everybody. And it helps everybody. It helps everybody. You know, you you say, why do you do this stuff? Well, it's simple. It's, you know, self-serving. I'm trying to make a living, you know? So, they're so, going to buy some horses or they're, they're, they're going to do them something. Or come and get some lessons or something. Yeah, they're going to be at the show. So, you know, it's, it's not like I'm, you know, an extra special person necessarily. It's just that, hey, I, I want to promote the greatest sport on earth. Yeah. Yeah. And those clinics are a little bit like Ken Wold said. Greg Ward told him one time, hey, if you don't, if you're riding that horse, you don't like that horse, find something you like. <laughs> And concentrate on that. Like, he has a really nice mane. Well, that, that, well, that's how the clinics are. Like, don't come in there and tell them, wow, your horse doesn't stop. Your horse doesn't this. You're not. Just find something they can do and start right there and go somewhere with and, it. And go forward. Because, yeah. they, I mean, we've had kids fall off. Oh. We've had... <laughs> We've had everything. Don't look at Ben when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think he ever fell off, but he was on the side of one one time. <laughs> yeah. So you've had a ton of guys, myself included, come through your program. And so your, contribu- I mean, your contributions to this industry, I can't even begin to count, okay, between your youth clinics, between being president – between being the lackey assistants that showed up at your house that have been able to make a career in it, like how do you deal with them? With how, and that's what I'm trying to deal with now is how did you deal with all of us idiots that worked for you? <laughs> and like and saw I something. I don't know what did you. I mean, same deal. Just like, hey, he's got a decent mane. Like maybe he'll make something someday. I don't really think I can speak to that on this podcast. <laughs> I can't believe you made it. Well, I mean, we can talk about Mike Berg. We don't have to talk about me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, 
Well, well, again, uh, you know, in asking that question, I mean, it's a, a little more self-serving. I, I needed help at the time. And you know what? Uh, I just need a warm body. And Chris, Chris you're moving and you, yeah, you can saddle and you can, you know, you can ride a little bit. Get on and get on tangy, classy lady. And, and try not to get back off. <laughs> yeah, hang on for your life. Um, no, truly, I mean, that's that's what it is i mean because it's terrible and, and it just gets worse and worse and worse you know it's trying to find help any kind of help um it, it's just it's the worst and i'm right behind you russell again <laughs> well i remember i remember that first year i worked for you and we're out there doing these crazy hours and Mark, this and that. Mark Matson and Chris Dawson working for me at one time. <laughs> How bad is that? <laughs> you were in a bad way. But I remember being so tired and I'm falling asleep. I'm cooling out horses and I'm walking this horse around and I am doing all I can to not fall asleep. Like it's killing me, right? Like I am dying. And so I get off this horse out there at the track and I'm going to walk it. I'm going to get off and lead it back to the barn just to try and get my blood flowing a little. And I'm walking along there and I'm so tired and I just, I'm just going to close my eyes for a minute. It's going to be okay. I'm just going to wrap. I'm just going to keep my feet moving. But I'm just going to close my eyes and just let them be closed. And somehow while I was walking, I fell plumb asleep and I walked in, there was a sapling that was tied to a stick and I walked straight into it. Like, and, and Todd, you're working horses in the cutting pen right there next to it. And I've done walk head first into this tree and about fell backwards, scared the horse. She's pulled back and he says, what in the heck are you doing over there? And I says, I just grabbed a hold of that tree and I said, I'm just making sure this tree's tied up good and strong. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Dare, he fell asleep too in the turn, turning back in the cutting pen. I don't know how many times <laughs> I fell asleep turning back. I mean, I fell asleep a lot turning back. I remember being in that, and I don't know, I don't know if uh, there's any statute of limitations about on this, but uh, I thought you were asleep all the time, <laughs> most of the time. But remember when we'd have uh, the team pinning championships and their their big deal was that this is the only team pinning in california where they team pinned on fresh cattle <laughs> but the team pinners all got and went to sleep like before dark and so during the team pinning championships we started work regardless of weather we started work at like 10 o'clock at night and Todd would cut all these fresh cows that were in these cow pens and we'd run them in and we'd cut all night long and we had to be done before daylight before the dream penners started waking back up <laughs> and then they'd run them cattle through a team pen them and then we'd do it again that next all, night all over <laughs> for whatever, a week it whatever was, it takes it was like it was like summertime hours in Texas in Temecula during the team penning championships <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the best Settling. thing about California was like you really most of the time didn't have to change your hours much where now we have to yeah here we have to work very early and <laughs> go all day and all night <laughs> in California we just went all day and all night but I think that's because Mark was slow 
my first year at Todd's, I'd heard rumors like uh, my aunt and uncle, they were in the quarter horse business and they were like, oh, so you took a job at Crawford's. I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, you know, he works like from like five in the morning until 10 at night. I'm like, that's a lot of day. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, whatever. I mean, whatever it takes, you know what I mean? So like I go out there. And, 17. And yeah, I was, yeah, I was 18. I was 18 years old. And I would go out there and, uh, and Todd is a work horse, mister. Yes. I mean, get it on. But I'm there, and the main assistant when I go to work there is Mark Madsen. <laughs> and so we might work two-year-olds till 1130 at night, right? And that's just what we did. I mean, and I would just saddle two-year-olds and bring to Mark and just keep them rolling. Or we'd be turning back in the middle of the night. And how many times I fell asleep on a turnback horse? I have no idea. I mean, I felt, I only recall falling asleep once while walking. Okay. That's the only time I remember doing that. But I fell asleep a horseback a lot. Like, you wouldn't want me. Dude, y'all don't even know. And like, I don't know. I know my assistants are like, we've been here for 12 hours. <laughs> and I'm like, that's only half a day. I'm like, seldom do we work more than half a day. <laughs> I'm like, come on. Like, How if we're changed. here more than half a day, I'll buy the beer. Okay. That's kind of my deal with them. How so, it has changed. Mm, what's the ethics, changed? The, eth- the work ethics. Of who? Since you were doing 18 hours, 18, yeah, now hours, 12, right. Now yeah. 12 is all it takes right. well, to be yeah. a success. That's it. Overnight success. <laughs> Overnight success. <laughs> <laughs> so I was watching that. Um, I was watching those videos the other day, and it was a Hackamore class somewhere, and Bobby Ingersoll is in there. Watch them all going. Stan Fonson wins it, and his horse is probably the brokest. But Bobby Ingersoll comes in and his style of staying back up in the saddle and his hands are kind of in his chest and his reins are really long. But he's sitting so far back up there that he just turns his body a little and that horse comes under his leg to the cow. And granted, those horses are, it's pretty fast and they're not as soft on the hackamore as as you would want. A lot of them because it's a really old one. It's amazing how far ahead he was of everybody. So say even Stan Fonson's whose horses look a little bit better in the Hackmore. Bobby has a couple. Well, he has a couple that look really good. And then he has one that's not as good. But he still beats everybody through the turn because of where he's at in the saddle and his style. And it, it really clicked me to watch him Ronnie Richards a lot when I was getting help out there in California and he rode way up there and he was he's way back in the saddle when he just turns his upper body it just opens that horse to come right under him and now, uh, the style really has made me think about the way I ran last I don't know three or four days <laughs> you know like we're talking about you got your reins up against your I chest I did now. too hey and it was crazy what it did on a couple was that of cotton cotton <laughs> It was crazy what it did on cotton. I'm not. Maybe you should keep you. your reins short and put them on your chest. <laughs> I'm not strong enough. 
<laughs> we're in the Ackermore. <laughs> so uh, anyhow, it taught, it just kind of got me thinking about styles of people that you've watched in the past, even as far back as Dale uh, Wilkinson and them. Who is who was impressive just in their the way they rode? Um, to you, well, obviously we've talked about Greg a lot. Yep, <clears throat> um, Benny Catrone was very impressive to me and, and a, kind of a mentor. You know, he was a good friend, and um, you know, I'm privileged to have been able to spend some time with him uh, because he was such a horseman and c- could do any event whatever it may be you know he could he did the pleasure he 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 was one of those guys that that again was a little bit maybe more like me and coming up in that he showed at the aqha shows and and he um he helped me a lot but he did the pleasure and and you know all the events raining yep um as well as obviously he did the cow horse very well um as you said, Stan, I didn't get to see Stan a whole lot, but when, when he was there, I'll tell you who else was, he, I always went and watched, and, and I noticed that, like in Fresno, if you got to watch that at all, you know, there are all, all the guys, like, right there on the fence watching over, and, and, and I was always there when it wasn't showing, but Smokey Pritchard was another guy that, that I, I loved to watch, and, and he helped me a lot, like just standing there and say, and talking me through runs and and what a horse did well and what a horse didn't do well and you know why he was very good or what wasn't. Um, so so again, those those guys um, really did help me a lot. Don Murphy, again, but far and away. Uh, was and still is you know a a huge influence in in my writing he's just the kind of guy that can come watch me and say hey I think this horse needs this or I think this horse needs that and I've never had a, a a person be able to watch a a horse me and a horse and be able to tell me s- such small things that make such a huge difference in in my in my horse um um the you know smoky and and greg and bobby uh were, were all people that we you know when you went ronnie richards you know ronnie didn't show a lot uh after but 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 still too he was there you know kind of talking talking us through things that were good and bad and, and how we could make things better. Yeah, it was a judge's monitor for when I was putting the cattle in for you guys. Right. It was a judge's monitor. I didn't really get to see him show that much, but I did get to ride with him because John Basco and I were close friends, and they were close friends, and, and then he married them, you know. Uh, his daughter married John Ward, so they were around a lot. So that's how I got to ride with him was just over there at John's. And gosh, dang, very, very I mean, that guy. Oh, very simple. And and uh, same thing with Don Murphy. And I really feel like uh, Smokey Pritchett is one of the best coaches also to go get help from. That is, and he was way up there in. Uh, Red Bluff, and I don't know if enough people got around him. 
because he was an incredible student of the game. That's what, you know, that's what you love. He was an incredible student of the game and he put so much thought and so much effort in it and still does. And, you know, he's um, uh, moving to Temecula now, down to the DLR. Cut it out. Yeah. Yep. That's right. No, uh, he he and I became close and, and he did really like, help me in terms of a cow horse, you know, mm-hmm. because again, I was more reigning horse oriented. And um, so it was, you know, there was a huge learning curve and still is mm-hmm. <laughs> huge learning curve in terms of, uh, you know, how to make a cow, you know, a cow horse. Mm-hmm. One that goes down the fence and one that does it right. And when I watched him, he showed a three-year-old when Greg won the other the other night that uh, on Remnick's pep he showed a three-year-old and, and I don't know how he ended up but he was sure real strong in, in the fence work mm-hmm. he had that huge mare that Barney smoke mm-hmm. and I think he showed her in the bridle uh, mm. that also played the other night mm. oh good yeah, and in that good. bridal class, I think you were the winner on Tahone's Peppy Dog, yep. right? Yep. Oh, yeah. Nice. There's been uh, so many people <laughs> over, the last, over the years that were so impressive. And, you know, they kind of slip away and you don't get to see them as much. And it's a dirty shame. I, 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 th- I think for people out there that are young, go seek them out. Oh, Go seek sure. them out. That, that's the hardest thing about moving from Reno, you know, and and not having that show in Reno is the people that you saw every year at Reno. Um, you know, I can think of Pat Hubbard. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he's there. Pat and Judy are there every year. And and, and all of the people that, that you know, you saw um, that unfortunately we miss it fort worth but we wish you'd come because it's a great show yeah and, and I, I can tell you from a, a association standpoint we're going to try and make it a little more spectator friendly i hope um as far as putting on more of a show the last weekend that um you know the other one that i used to love to watch is john rozier because that guy's feel was so smooth Incredible. I know Chris has heard about him because he married Sarah. Who heard about him? <laughs> he's heard a lot about him. I mean, he just he does. That guy's unreal. I remember unreal. Carol like taking me up to the boxes in Stephenville, like during the herd work, and be like, "We're gonna go watch John Rozier, and we're gonna watch how he goes across the pen and sits with a cow, and he does this and he does that." Yeah. He's incredible. Incredible. He, and like, he showed uh, the year that Greg, Greg won the um, staff a bit of yeah, Remedix Pep. He showed the, the rem, Remedy Mare, the smart, oh, yeah. smart um, little lean out of a Remedy Mare. And anyways, that mare was real good, and, and, and it was great to see John Rozier. Yeah, and all of them. At all, his best. Yes. There's a lot of them. A lot of them around in... Uh, just to go seek him out, like seek, like Don Murphy. I didn't meet him till really late. Uh, Jake's the one that hooked me up with him, and that guy has helped me so much because those people, all those people, the Smokies and Johns and 
anyone that's been in this and they're a student of the game, they have made all the mistakes. And when you're young and you ride out there, they can already tell you what's going to happen. And they will save you a ton of your life if you'll just listen a little bit. So the first time I met Don Murphy, I'm working for Todd and Temecula. And this old guy shows up. And we're out there working horses. And next thing I know, this guy that's been yelling at us is getting yelled at. <laughs> like, what in the world is what? happening? You need to do this. You need to do that. I'm like, I don't know who this old guy is, but I love him. <laughs> <laughs> and that started my man crush with Don Murphy. Right there. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you know who was a crazy good one back when uh, a while ago was at John Slack. I thought he was going to rule the world. He, I mean, he you know, really he, was. He, was, he was unbelievable. Of all the people that came from the rain and, and went to whipping on everybody in the raining, he looked like he was going to figure the fence out so fast. He was so natural. He was, he was to me, kind of the John Rozier of the reigning echelon. He just had it. And uh, I mean, yeah, personal life kind of made he got in all those struggles and everything, but that guy could ride, dude. That's I've I've no I've quoted that guy a lot. I mean, that guy was one of the major ones that helped me. Like I met him kind of there later on, and it's like, hey, what do you think? What do you tell a young assistant? He's like, keep your head down, work your butt off, pray for a little luck. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta have those things. <laughs> um, uh, th- you know, thinking of John Slack and the whole evolution of Cowhorse, uh, John and Todd and myself and Bobby, as we talked about earlier, when we evolved from like, okay, it was that there's your reigning score, or there's your Cowhorse score, or there's your cutting score, into a more of a, you know, a score sheet, you know, the, accountability from the judges this is what i saw and and you know here it's wrote down exactly what what you did what i thought you did on that score sheet we had similar to like moving the fraternity to uh, to to fort worth we had a struggle when we adopted the I'm going to call it the NRHA judging system for the reigning. Um, and, and that struggle was, uh, you know, that we didn't need that because we had our system, which we didn't have a system. But what ended up happening really and truly was that it, it the fear was that the rainers would have a huge advantage because they would be able to somehow manipulate the system to to score higher. Mm-hmm. And actually what happened was that with that score sheet, the reigning scores became lower um, because now, well, you know, I mean, it was... It didn't run away. Yeah, it didn't, didn't get away. didn't run away. Um and so that was interesting in that 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 phenomenon that you, you thought that you know the reigning was gonna go to two fifty four or whatever, 
um, actually came down to 216, 217. And, and I think, you know, for the, again, for the good of the industry that now we had a structured system of, of judging the reigning and, and it actually worked. It worked out very well because it brought the scores down rather than esca- mm-hmm. escalated them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that fight well. I remember that one well. <laughs> you must have been on the board in those days, Russell. <laughs> you know, I don't. I probably wasn't quite on the board yet. Uh, it, it was another fight that I was, was involved in, one of many. Well, then I probably was on the board. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I think you were in there before me. The board is a little tough, and I want I want to attest a little bit to Todd doing the 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 tours of duty as president because even just being on the board is a struggle. You don't understand how much of your mind that being on that board, if you care about all this stuff, uh, you don't understand how much of your mind it'll, it will take over. And that's just being on the board. And then Todd's the president. So everyone wants to call the president, which is now Corey. He's got to get a little feel for it. We're going to call him yesterday, but I thought <laughs> I'd give him a break. <laughs> give me a little break. Um, I just have to say that to go give to that and granted the first year maybe you don't know how bad it's going to be but he was he was silly enough to do it for four years so he knew how bad it was going to be on them last ones and he did it for the good association and i truly greatly appreciate how much that takes from your life from being just putting my toe in it over there with the fights and the arguments and the, you're just always wound up and someone's always calling. Someone always needs to change your opinion or express their opinion on you while you're trying to figure out the evolution, the daily evolution of the cow horse. <laughs> so all of those guys that are, that do it and uh, do it now and do it then they need a little bit of respect from the rest of us. And, and you're darn right. Uh, realize how much they're given yeah and also realize that it's got to be given it just has to be or where are we going to go where are we going to go who's going to do it yeah who's Who's going to do do it it? if you don't i'm I'm on the southwest board because of (laughs) that i won't name but that's like but he's here and it's not me he's here yeah it's not Ben and it's not you, but uh, yeah. So Kudos. that's that's been a good little learning curve. But I'm like, because I've had some people ask me about getting on the board. I'm like, you know, I'm like struggling with this Southwest deal right now. Like, let me kind of struggle here for a get a while. feel, get right. a feel for it, and then go. And it, yeah. and it's really honestly, Todd, it's way better now. Well, then, I mean, it was a little bit violent there. It was it was, it was, it was straight up violent. Was. I heard I've, for a I've while. heard stories. And it's that well, when you, when you, when I, you know, when you got the weight of your, the association, like rain cow horses is gonna, you know, can go, can flounder or it can flourish, flourish, you know, what's gonna, it, it's, it's, it's you. It, it's tough. And, and so I wanna thank both Todd Bergen and Corey Cushing and, and everybody else who's done it because, it's a when you got that weight on your shoulders it's it's you it ain't you know it's like walking in the raining pen and you know 
There ain't no cow. There ain't no nothing. It's just you. No herd help. No turn back men to talk to. <laughs> there yeah. ain't nobody. Yeah. It's you. And and so uh, again, I th- I thank those guys and everybody else who's done it because it, it's. Um, and I know Corey's had a rough go right now because of the all this coronavirus stuff Crap. and, and yeah. everything and tough. And not having a director and trying to hire a director in the middle of that stuff. And, and you know, I feel for him because I know what it's like. But but it'll be okay. Cause well, and then, but I got to thank everybody, and, and especially you included, for getting to where we are. Because now we have a kind of a pattern and an idea that everyone's getting behind. As a, This is the... When I very first started, the cow horse was very united, but was very small also. Then we went through a time where there was a lot of power struggling, and now we're back to where we're all united again and going in a direction. Even if we disagree a tiny bit on the direction, it's not massive disagreements. That, that, that's what our board, and, and I praise our board because, you know, we all have opinions this way or that way, but when it comes down to it i feel like we've always been for okay what's best for the association not what's best for me or you or him or whoever but let's make the best decision for the association i think that's what's that's why we flourished you know um so hopefully we can continue to do that yeah and then once the board does make it's okay to go air your opinions within the board in the process of getting to what decision you're going to make but once a decision is made everyone gets behind it yep sink or fail and then if it fails we change it if it doesn't we go right on and i I really like that about the nrcha right now from the from the staff all the way up that's what i see it's very impressive i'm gonna say our staff is outstanding and so wow Kelly Red, yeah, Kelly Red and Allison, and uh, they have they have carried us through this interim period where we we don't have a executive director, and um, you know, I mean, they could carry us through as as long as we need them to. I think mm-hmm. you know, I, I think we all would like to have somebody that could take the pressure off everybody, but those those gals in that office are outstanding. They are outstanding. Yep. Uh, so what? Allison and Kelly and Barb and, and Emily and Joy. And Joy. Emily, Emily. And Joy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Hey, Chris, you know, I got to tell you one thing I love when I'm riding these horses is my Martin saddle. I love the fact that they make a saddle. You can get a roping horn in. You can cowboy out of it. It still sits you where you want to sit. The same as you want to sit when you're showing, when you're cutting. I love the all-around ability of the seat that they've put in those saddles. I've had a ton of interaction with Brian Peterson over there at the factory. That guy goes from the, they built their own trees right there in the factory. You can go in there, take a tour. They will show you a square piece of wood. And they take <laughs> that awesome. and turn it all the way into a beautiful saddle. And when you do go through there, what is staggering is how much handwork is in it. You think that there's some machine that stamps all them flowers out? Mm-mm. That, those are all hand-carved. No kidding. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I know. I've, been, I've, I've kind of been around them, shoot, since I worked at Carroll's and seen them developing these saddles. And they have put the work into them. 
and I've got a couple there at the house and shoot, we've got one that oh, they carved our brand into there on the skirts there. And my wife shows in it quite a bit. And I've got another one that I won at Southwest pre fraternity and I love that saddle. I mean, it, yeah, it, you know. go online and check out Lance Johnson's saddle he got for winning the oh, pre-fraternity National Stock Car. It was beautiful. So pretty. They can do whatever horn you want. They have a new system where they block those stirrups a little bit, especially for your non-pros and, well, for me. because i'm terrible about cowboying my whole life i'm wanting to get i get my feet behind my shoulders constantly that's just the way i was the seat helped me immensely but this block is another little help when you relax your legs your feet hang right in front of your shoulders where they're supposed to be instead of when you relax too much they go behind you i just i love it i can't say enough about them can't say enough about the effort Brian has put into it. I remember out in California, he showed up out there and we're working on how to build a better saddle. And he just stops by, didn't really know him much. He stops in there and just taking it over. I, we have scat- saddles scattered over my whole <laughs> Every saddle we could find, we got and put on every horse I had. And we went over the trees, the fit, the seat. I mean, just over and over and over. And they built a beautiful saddle that I love to ride in all day, every day. And you can always find Brian at the uh, Southwest Rain Cow Horse shows. He'll be in there mixing it up with us. And so this yep. guy, he's out there showing. A lot of guys are making saddles. That's hey, all they said. Went the out shop, and but. won the world on a little top sale main rain, no rainmaker man how awesome yeah, is that congratulations brian peterson senior yeah it was cool so he's in it all the way that's awesome so no matter what event you guys are doing whether it's a cutting barrel racing raining roping steer dobbin steer dobbin my favorite the cow horse there's a martin saddle for you and you can go talk to them or facebook them on whatever that technology is it's fine it's on the Martin Saddlery Facebook page. You can always send them a message right there, or you can check them out at www.martinsaddlery.com. Back to the personal side on you, Todd. I know what my employment history has been, and so I just want and I don't know what yours has been. Have you ever been fired? <laughs> Not yet. No? See, I'm still winning, Russell. I tell people I've had two jobs in my life and I've been fired from both of them. Winner. <laughs> it makes me the winner. Don't tell him he's not the winner. <laughs> he's the winner. <laughs> so far. Well, so he hasn't moved, had that many jobs I talked Moving on from or, uh, Chris. Trevor asked me here this afternoon, he says that you're not gonna bring that up, are you? And I'm like, No, I'm a, I will diplomatically just leave that alone. <laughs> I just like to ask people if they've ever been fired before. So, and so far, nobody's been fired as much as I have. So, Two is not that many. It's really not. And you would think that somebody out there. I think they're not fessing up. Uh, well, whatever. I'll leave that to the imagination. <laughs> but I'll say one thing that I had through my firings was very supportive parents. And so. You have the best parents in the world. Thank you. Thank you. I think so as well. And so I was just going, I know that your parents wanted you to go to college and get an education and how long it took them to get on board with the horse training program. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) But, you know, yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah, not yet. (laughs) 
best I can say. No, um, I mean, I, how can you? Uh, I, I got my own place. I make my own living, and and everybody's happy. Yeah. yeah so how can you argue with that? I'm. Am I going to be rich? No. Am I going to be happy? It's one of those things where you work 20 hours to have to keep from working eight, you know? Darn right. <laughs> that's, Darn right. That's, that's, that's one of the right. greatest things. I think that's one of the greatest things I gleaned from you right there. I mean, because I will never be able to pay you back the things that I learned from you. And the fact, just exactly what you said right there, to work 20 to keep from working eight is, I mean, it's awesome. So uh, we always talk about... Good stuff. Interviews are about asking you about the good things. <laughs> so now is one of my favorite questions. I want to, there's, this is a two-part question. Not just one. Not just one. This is a two-part question about negativity. I want to know about your brokest moment ever financially, first financially, and let's just go there. Yeah, like, I mean, like. Man, this sucks, and I Just can't know afford. There's more coming. Yeah, there's more coming. <laughs> um, so that was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the stupid stock market, <laughs> coronavirus, mob. <laughs> no, no, truly, uh, I, I was. I think I had made the move to California, and I, I had. I went back home to visit my parents, and. <laughs> my wife and I we got on a plane to go back and um, she's like uh, you know <laughs> we don't have any money <laughs> none like zero word <laughs> like we may have to stay there <laughs> <laughs> no we're gonna get, round trip we're, tickets we're gonna get back to California but after that <laughs> we're gonna be hungry and it's like you know, I surely wish I'd win that belt buckle. <laughs> Were you 30 yet? No, I wasn't 30. I won a belt buckle before I was 30, but it took all of 30 to win the belt buckle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so the second part of the question is? Is that your brokest moment egotistically? You know, probably when I fell down on that mare. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but you know what? After that happened, um, I was like, I still got a wife. I still got two kids, and you know what? It ain't cancer, and it, it, it'll it be all right, you know? I mean, that's it happens. That's where your family is. And, and I think support. that, that that's what uh, the cow horse, you know, I think we get used to that. Whatever happens, happens, and because particularly the the fence work. When we get to the fence work, you know, the the saying is we're we're all tied up, and and you know whatever happens in the fence work is you know what's going to happen, and that's true. And so I think we're we're used to that as far as the ups and downs of the event, and I think that's what keeps our group of trainers grounded and we have a great camaraderie with the, the group of trainers, I think, because, 
you know, maybe today it's my day and maybe tomorrow it's your day and maybe tomorrow, Russell, it's your day. But um, that day is several days away, though. (laughs) 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 But but we all we can have our day and, you know, hopefully the harder we work, the luckier luckier we get. Um, and two, you know, it just happens, but, but it, it keeps us, I believe, more grounded and more real and maybe I more think humble. more, we have more fun because we, yeah, I'm humble because we know that we, we don't know what's going to happen. We know we don't know. We're going to, we're going to give it hell. We're going to give it all we got, but, um. We don't know what's going to happen. No, I feel like in the cow horse a little bit. There's a lot of respect for the people that just go give it. You know what I mean? Because we've all seen it not work and we've all had it not work. So we respect the people that put it out there. And you know what? Speaking of that, that like the non-pros, those people don't do it like we do. But they go out there and they give it hell. And And that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Yes. Um, yep. That they do that, and they, you know, and it's like when they fall off, it's hey, it's okay because we all do. We've all fallen. <laughs> yeah, I know. We all do. <laughs> you know what the guy? Okay. The guy says it's never fallen off. The guy that said that if you've never fallen off, you haven't been riding long enough. And you see, like. The people like Dickie Hirschman, you yes, know, you know, yeah, Dick Hirschman, <laughs> <And> just, <laughs> man, just go, like, unbelievable, go crazy, and, and you know what? That's great. That's that's our sport right there. Yes, that's why it's the best. Dick Hirschman and and, and um, Jim Putnam. Jim Putnam go out there. Hey, and don't be scared of the ones. His hand down. Don't be I scared mean, of the ones. You bro, might get the tens. Don't be right. scared of the ones, old son. I used to love it. Yeah. So that that those non pros that that you know don't do it for a living, but but try their guts out, and and when it works for them, everybody needs to. Everybody it goes crazy. Yeah. Yeah, all the bell weavers. When Julie Gibbons, she's showing at every horse show, man, when it works, there ain't, I mean, you want to throw your hat Uh when it works. Out of the, just. Right? I mean, (laughs) I'm entered, right? Like, I'm down there holding herd for her, and man, when it works, I mean, I want to do a backflip. (laughs) (laughs) I know. The coolest thing ever. That's the greatest. So, uh, with all the wins and losses in this deal, how do you feel about failure? I mean, how do you, I mean, just how you do you deal with it? How do you feel about it? I mean, what part what part of uh, your life does failure consume? No, no, nothing. I mean, what is failure? <laughs> just didn't work today. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, there's nothing about failure in in me. No, I I don't know how to answer that. I love it. That's that might be the greatest answer mm. that I could have imagined when I wrote that question. Yeah, I mean, like it doesn't even enter his mind because I'm going to tell you what. When I worked for you, I'm going to tell you what. When you came home, if you when you when we worked there, and I mean, we got the whole crew rolling and this and that, and we're watching. 
Man, when you come home and you'd won first and second at Gladstone, we were like, uh-oh, it's going to be ugly when he is home because he's going to be screwed down and ready to go to win the next one, <laughs> right? Where, and like, as candidly as this conversation can be, which is what I hope that it is, but like, if we were at home and we're like, I mean, there was, internet wasn't a huge thing in those days. Like, there was an internet. Like, but there wasn't, wasn't a, one. But like, there wasn't much of one. There was barely telephones. <laughs> right. right. Barely. Bag phone. I had a bag phone in my bag truck. Phone. Seriously, when I went to work for Todd, <laughs> that's what I had was a bag phone. And so, like, if he w- was at a horse show and he'd come home and, like, when we knew that, like, it did not go well. And, like, the first time we were, like, scared. But, man, this guy come home and it was chill. Right? Like... There was no nothing. It didn't throw us. It wasn't. There was no sucker thrown in the dirt. There was no none of this. And I know I don't know what exactly he did personally on these times, but I know that I don't think there was ever two losses in a row. And you know, and after I worked for him and I watched him, if he'd go to a horse show and man, like maybe the prefaturity wasn't as good as he wanted it to be. And like in the prefaturity, the prefaturity. But if it didn't go the way you can he tell, went, right, that, right, you better hold on to your hat, old son. And like them derbies, man alive. Like if the stakes went bad, you better have you better have your act together when you got to the derby in Paso because it was coming on with it, right? <laughs> but he would come home, and it was so chill after a loss, and it was so intense after a win. And that's another thing that I, and I don't know if you did that consciously or what happened there. If you, I mean, if, if that was by design or if that was just coincidence, but with four years of working for you, that's one thing that I noticed when you came home after a win, it was on like everybody better have their eyes dotted and their T's crossed and you better be ready to get it on. And after a loss, there was a little lax when we got home, but the next one, Mister. There, w- there wasn't two bad ones in a row. Well, um, thank you, I guess, but um, I, I, I don't know why that would be. I, I, you know, I think again, you can't, you can't think about yesterday, or you know, you can't think about what you messed up in the hard work when you're going to the raining or raining going to the cow work. You know, it's it's just. Um, whatever happens and you have to be ready to, to uh, throw it over your shoulder and go on to the next one. And fortunately, you know, we, we have the next one and there's obviously been lots of times that hmm, I'm ready to go to the next one. <laughs> and, and, and yes, I think, you know, that's what I, I've, I feel like I use a lot of the, I'm going to call them prep shows um, the local shows to prepare yourself and and a lot of times I don't you know prepare my horses you know to win a prep show but but I'm building to try and get to the goal of of the major show to um, be prepared to do as good as I can and so as as I'm building to do that you know, I guess you go through those ebbs and tides of, you know, being very intense. And, you know, I think a lot of it's this timing in terms of, 
of how you build to get to that show and peak at the at the right time you know and that, and that's a little bit hard especially right now when you don't know when in the hell you're going to go show <laughs> um, you know like what am i supposed to do but you know most of the time with our show schedule we have it fortunately now where where it's pretty well regimented and and pray pray you know pray to god that we get back on that schedule um that that we know where we're going to be but but one thing that i think that you know that that i'm i'm going to say is that i you know if i get a chance to win i'm gonna win you know I mean, I don't care where it is. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I want to win because you might not get that chance tomorrow. You know, um, so you know, I, I just love horse showing and love cow horse and love to um, be able to do it and and hopefully we'll be able to keep doing it. All right. So with three million dollars worth of winning, it's probably going to be hard. But uh, if you could narrow that down. What would you say is your biggest horse-related accomplishment? Well, I think this doing it this long. (laughs) 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 And hopefully, I got to say, I hope I can do it, you know, more. But I I know it it don't feel near as good as what it used to. I, I almost feel I appreciate making, you know, I said earlier, I think the greatest thing in the world is to make the snaffle bit for Trudy Finals. I appreciate that a lot more. Where, like, when, you know, the mayor that I, I won the rain and, and, and the cow work and whatever, I was like the high score. I've been the high score of the snaffle bit for Trudy and the prelims a couple, two or three times. And, and been second and won it and blah, blah, blah. Um, but sometimes when you're young, probably just like you and you, when, uh, Russell, when you rode Slider and Chris, when you rode Traveling Jones, maybe you don't appreciate that quite as much as you will in the future. And, and so, you know, I appreciate that stuff more. That's yeah. it. That, hey, that's for real. That's for real. I mean, you just I think can. when you're young, you think, God, I should have just done a little more. <laughs> should just, you know, I was all I could have this. I could. Well, I'm gonna you tell get you a little older. When I when I worked for you and you had several pairs of them stirrups, you had several pairs of the Gordon Hayes stirrups, sponsored by Terry Rado in mm-hmm. memory of his son Jason, <clears throat> the mm-hmm. high prelims rider, and like, and I thought that even then I thought those were the coolest thing. Like, I was like, that's bad, bad to the bone. And when I got a pair, I was like, you got to be kidding. I mean, I want a pair of those. And then I lost a cow on that horse in the finals. And it was devastating for me because I knew I had enough horse to win. Yeah, that's a. But now you appreciate the oh, stirrup more. So appreciate it. Than, right. the, than what you lost in the. Right. So you start thinking when you're, sometimes when you're young, you think that. So you win the prelims, you win the stirrups, but you, all you think about is losing the count in the finals. Right. And then you get a little, you're like, wow. You know, I beat uh, 287 horses. Yeah. Yeah, but you think too, Chris, about Traveling Jones, and you think too about Slider <laughs> oh. and those 
you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say those two horses right there changed the fence work in the cow horse industry, right? Those two horses. And, and you think about those horses and, and, you know, and I'm going to tell you what, they were fabulous. Now, I, I know they hold a place in your heart, but maybe you don't know how much they hold a place in everybody else's heart because they were so good. You know, when, when I lost Slider, and, I, and like you said, I, he, I loved him. And, and I mean, he was something to me. But after I lost him, first of all, I had no idea how hard that was going to be. That was a tough little trigger deal right there. That was tough. But I had no idea how much the rest of the world thought of him until he was gone. And, and, then, it, and then with him gone... You always think he's there. You always, he's, I mean, he's right there, right outside the window. Yeah, my kid's riding around and stuff. And then when he's gone, and then a couple years go by, you realize that horse, to me, he was everything. And then when you see how much he was to other people, and then you start realizing how much more he was to you and the world. I mean, he was just like, ah, I don't know if you, you're probably the same way with Traveling Jones, but well, that, I can't imagine what he did. I'm going to tell you what, those two horses changed the fence work in, in our industry. Those two horses right yeah. there. Because you guys, you guys run and made turns that were phenomenal. And then you pitch those bridle reins and those horses run to the spot and circle those cows. And now you look at what's happening and you look at what has to happen in Fort Worth at the, in the Will Rogers and, and at the fraternity and at the derbies. You look at that. That's changed the industry, right? Those two horses. They set that bar. I yeah. thought that about Chris when he came with that horse, especially. You know, when you, with, with Slider, I was just doing what, doing what I was doing. I mean, you were, I, just, you were just holding on. Yeah, I was, or letting go. I just letting go. I was pretty much <laughs> to the, to the to do it. You were yeah. just holding on to the horn. Yeah, hold on to the horn. Let the head go. I mean, yeah, and I really thought I saw that. Uh, God dang. Yeah, I, back to your appreciation. I appreciate it so much now. I mean, I realize you're not just going to go get another one of those. There's a, I mean, they're, they're just, you, you can't go pick them off the tree, right? There's no. people spending, you know, Todd, million, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to the millions to try to produce that. And this whole thing was a, like a $2,700, $3,500 three in one package. I'll promise you there wouldn't have been a traveling Jones without a slider, without a top sale rainmaker. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, he would have been there. But don't think that every day that I rode him that there wasn't a Russell Dill Day and a slider in my mind while I'm, you know, training him. And that was, like I say, I mean, with at risk of, I don't know, I've heard of other podcasts just trying to tout their own, you know, accomplishments. But 
well, you say there would not have been a Chris Dawson and Traveling Jones had there not been a Russell Dilday and a Top Sail Rainmaker. Mm. Well, and, well, again, I, I believe that those two horses were about the same time, roughly. And, and again, the way they did things and the way that, you know, whether, whether it was God-given, whether it just happened, but it, it did change the, I believe, the industry and the cow works and, and um, obviously for the better because yeah. look at it now. Mm. Well, it's God given. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure didn't come for either one of us to. I just like the get on it. I we're barely like, able. I always liked those horses that were good in spite of me. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's a lot to that. I mean, yeah. These two idiots can't even really figure out how to run a microphone on this podcast for crying out loud. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well. Thank you for listening to the Cow Horse, Full Contact. Please like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram to stay tuned for future episodes.